Well, I 
your neighbors and say hello and um, <clears throat> don't feel comfortable saying give each other a hug and shake your ha- shake hands anymore and, but um but say hello give everyone a warm smile and say greetings to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ because there's no other no better greeting that we could give than that I just uh, it's wonderful to be here this morning let's put it in C let's sing the song I surrender all and just enter into worship with him this morning. Well, all to Jesus I surrender all to him I freely give. Amen. I will ever love and
last verse. On to Jesus I surrender now. I So uh, this is a hard time for this couple. And uh, a friend of mine, uh, Larry Elliott, his music minister at Happy Valley, is still having a hard time. His uh, wife was in the hospital in Johnson City with COVID for a few weeks and didn't even know that he was um, transported to uh, a different hospital uh, requiring emergency 12-hour heart surgery. While she was, while he was trying to see after her in COVID, and so they they are on the road to recovery. Though praise the Lord, it's been a real miracle in their lives. Um, Earl and Jane Monk, praying for them. Rachel Pritchard, that's not here. Keep her in prayers. Richard and Mary Smith, uh, we would like to bring their names before the Lord as well. Um, Brother Michael Roberts, also in Johnson City, probably pray for um, Happy Valley. They've had such a hard time with uh, COVID. And uh, also Evening Light is closed today with, uh, for COVID concerns as well. So just thankful that we're able to meet here uh, still and, and uh, the congregation is, uh, uh, hasn't had such a hard time with it as others around it. We just pray God's hand of protection on each and every one of you. But Brother Michael Roberts over at Elizabethan, um, he's on a ventilator right now, needs your prayers. Brother Soriano. Uh, request prayer as well, Tracy Raymon. God knows these needs. Um, another uh, 
request with COVID. And all of you have friends and family that have been touched by this virus just by lifted hands. Um, it's, uh, it's so prevalent right now, this Delta variant. Um, friend of Mark Coffey's, uh, Sister Faye wrote in, Jason Lale is on a ventilator and needs prayer. Uh, please keep the Pascals in your prayer. Uh, Donnie Florian in recovery. And, uh, and just all that are affected by this and uh, whatever your burdens may be. Brother David, come up if you would and just sort of take these needs to the throne of God in prayer. Let us pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we just counted a blessing, dear Lord, to come into your house in this time, dear Lord, of, of this virus. And we just know in your word, dear Lord, you said that many are the afflictions of the righteous. We just I lay my hands on these prayer requests of all these that are affected and afflicted by the virus and are just torn in their bodies, dear Lord. We just ask that you go to them. All of them, dear Lord, each one, you know their needs. Just restore their body. Give them strength, dear Lord. We, we all know, dear Lord, everybody has somebody that's been afflicted or touched in some way to this virus. People, dear Lord, that you've called home, we just ask you to, to give their family strength through these trying times, dear Lord. We just give today solely into your hands, dear Lord, for you to have your way in this service. We just ask you to anoint our ears to hear what we have need of, dear Lord. We just ask you to anoint the minister's lips, to give him lips of clay, to say what you would have for him to say, dear Lord, to us. We just give this day and this service solely into your hands. May you be pleased and uplifted, dear Lord, by our worship. We just love you and we thank you. Just ask it all in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. And Brother David, he's recovered of COVID his own self and a hard time with it, so we just thank God for that. Well, shackled by a heavy burden, the load of guilt and shame. Well, since I met this bless, 
Touch you, why don't you stand to your feet this morning? Well, he touched me. Oh, he touched me. And oh, the joy that floods. deacons to come forward this morning for the offering. We just praise God for what he's done in our lives. This is the time of the morning where we give back to the ministry, to missions, and we just thank the Lord for that. Brother Jackson, would you say a word of prayer for over the offering? And as uh, Brother Jackson comes, I'd also like to say we have a couple of specials this morning. Sister Lorian Cockman, who turns 20 today, a little later this evening. And then, um, and then Brother Mitchell has a special as well. Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for letting us be here today, Lord. Lord, I pray again, Lord, that you just bless this service, Lord. I pray that you just bless this offering. Bless the ones that can give, the ones that cannot give, Father. Lord Jesus, we love you, Lord. We give you the honor and the glory. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. I'm rejoicing night and day as I walk the narrow way for the hand of God on all my life I see. And the reason of my bliss, secret all is this, that the comfort abides with me. He abides, he abides, I'm rejoicing night and day as I walk in every way for the comfort abides with me. Once my heart was full of sin, once I had no peace till I heard how Jesus died upon the tree. Then I fell down at his feet, and there came a peace so sweet, and the comfort abides with me. He abides, He abides, hallelujah, He abides with me. I'm rejoicing night and day as I walk everywhere, for the comforter abides with me.
been here before my soul lord it's torn i am weary and sick of this life i'm tired of the violence and i'm done with the bloody devices i brought to the fight i've searched for salvation of my own creation and by but now I give you the memories that I tried but could never make right like the moment I thought this is it Never gets better than this. If there's a God, I don't want him. But Lord, not just some power I write to. You're not just some words on a wall. Some religion I'm tied to. You're not just some name that I call. When it all gets too much, these feelings are clutch. Starting to fall, 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 fall. Lost in the feelings, I made friends with the demons till my only home was the fear. Pride in the lonely, as if dark and holy, my pain somehow wiped the slate clear. Then I crawled of Golgotha. Cried, Father, my Father, are you there? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but please, God, don't let me die here. Cause I've lost the way to my heart. My idols are falling apart. The salvation story is yours. It's just yours, Lord. You're not just some power I write to. You're not just some words on a wall. Some religion I'm tied to. You're not just some name that I call. When it all gets too much, these feelings are clutch. Are starting to fall, 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 fall.
Thank you, Sister Lori. While Mitchell comes forward, let's sing the little chorus, Sweep Over My Soul, the key of C. Sweep over my soul. Sweep over my soul. Sweep over my soul. Sweet Spirit, sweep over my soul. And my rest is complete. out and touch the Lord. Well, reach out and touch the Lord as He goes by. You'll find He's not too busy to hear your heart's cry. He is this moment your needs here supply reach out and touch the Lord as he goes by maker that's been requested this morning so and after that we'll greet brother coffee you are here moving in our midst i worship you i worship you you are here Working in this place, I worship you, I worship you, you are here, touching every Turning lives around I 
worship you. You are here meeting every need. I worship you. I worship you. You are way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. darkness my god that is who you are let's give an offering of praise every praise every praise thank you jesus hallelujah god is good isn't he amen you feel like having church amen you've come to the right place let's sing it this morning Every praise is to our God, every word of worship, one of every praise, every praise to our God. Oh, every praise, every praise. Take your Bible while you're standing. Let's look in the scripture together. First Peter, we're going to read there this morning. God bless you all. We welcome all of you today. And uh, I have an echo. I can hear an echo. I don't know if you can back there. First Peter, the second chapter, verse 9. Appreciate all of you being here today. Good to have uh, all of you on deck uh, today. And 
May the Lord richly bless you. Great to have the Petersons here uh, today from Arizona. God bless you, dear friends, and uh, good to have them here today. Brother Jonathan, good to have you here today. And uh, been a couple of couple of weeks. Good to have the Meads here today. God bless you with the new addition. And uh, great, uh, great to be uh, having them today down for a quick visit. Now, there's a couple here that John and Hannah. God bless you. Good to have you here today. And uh, may the Lord richly bless you all. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You are this to do this. It isn't just saying, well, I'm an American. It's not just saying, well, I'm a Canadian. It is, you are a part of a holy nation that ye should do this. Show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which hath not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. How many of you are glad to know mercy today? May God bless you. You may be seated this morning. Certainly an honor uh, to be with you today. Many people that are sick and uh, needy uh, around the country and certainly around the world. Uh, we miss all of our folks who are not here today. Sister Tracy Raven, Brother Danny, uh, who's recovering. And uh, we want to also mention, we don't uh, maybe not do this regularly, but uh, Brother Andy Irish's parents uh, in uh, uh, August season of life. And Brother Andy, we sure do. Uh, remember them and think of them often, and uh, may the Lord bless them. And you and your family as you minister to them as well, because that's a, that's a import, very important thing. Um, all right, so what we're going to do this morning is uh, jump right in, and I wanted to give you just a couple of brief announcements here. Uh, today, as Brother John said, is Sister Lorian's birthday. God bless you, Sister Lorian. And uh, good to have you here today. Enjoyed the special. September 1st is Sister Caroline Jackson's birthday, right? God bless you, Sister Caroline. And then the second is Abigail McCafferty's birthday, right? How old are you going to be, Abigail? 13 going on 30, right? God bless you. Good to have you here today. We uh, just got a couple of these uh, photographs that came just before church. Where is this in Zimbabwe? Okay, it's in Zimbabwe, and uh, we are we are delighted to see these pictures. This is this is way out there, right? This is in a remote area, and this is their church, uh, church building, and it's just such a to me. It's a real delight to be able to provide things for folks way out there uh, who otherwise would not have access to uh, to things through materials like that and books like that. And I wanted to show you these. I have two pictures here that. Uh, in uh, Zambia, where they now have received today, this is just this morning, they received uh, Bibles in the Bemba language. And I, we, we don't, uh, I'm not positive, uh, but I don't know that any, any of those believers out there have ever gotten their hands on a, uh, a Bible in Bemba in their language. That's a rare thing. And so we had these printed uh, in Zambia through the Zambian Bible Society, and uh, they took a thousand out there. And let me tell you, those people are excited 
uh, in that part of the country because it's, a, it's such a rare thing. And this is uh, Isoka. This is where Brother Davy Mwanza lives, and these are some of the people in his church receiving uh, the Bibles as well uh, in that part of the world. So they're, they're pretty excited about all of that, and um, we're delighted to be able to play a part in, in helping them get them. So uh, there's a lot of believers going to appreciate uh, what's been done through the assembly here and uh, you'll get to meet them all on the other side uh, unless we can get them all to come over here. Uh, that would be really nice to be able to have that. All right, we're going to deal with this subject here of the, uh, the nations again, and I, I just want to say this to you that uh, when I began this particular study, all I had in my heart, all I had in my uh, heart at all, Brother Roger, good to have you here today, uh, all I had in, in turning around in my heart was this, I, this phrase, the nations. And uh, I didn't really understand the significance of that and just began to pro wade into it last week. And uh, then this week as I began to study it and ponder on it and look at it in the Bible, it just uh, began to really open up. So I want you just to uh, focus with me this morning just to, uh, uh, just to uh, really uh, latch on to some of the things that, uh, that we find in the Bible in relation to this and how it relates to you. And that's what's, that's what's important. Now, we, we talk a lot about uh, in, this, um, in this season that we're in. I talk to ministers a lot about what they're ministering. I love to know what they're ministering, and I listen to other ministers and uh, ministers I respect. And, and uh, they, they talk a lot about this word identity and how that uh, on this journey it's taking us m- more into a, or into a greater understanding of our real identity as the children of God. We are, we are citizens of another kingdom. We've always heard these words. We've always known that, that we are, uh, we are, you know, sitting in heavenly places and we are, uh, born of another kingdom and all of that. But the reality of that, coming into that, uh, is, to me, is what's exciting. And that seems to be an emphasis that's, uh, that's being made around the world among the ministry. And in this journey, uh, in this journey, we find that, uh, there are some exciting things that open up to us. And uh, as, we, uh, as we do what Brother Branham taught us to do, and this is what he said years ago, he said, if you'll just continue to walk in the light, he said, it will unfold and reveal itself. You will not need to make it happen or make it, make it uh, open up to you. It will open up and reveal itself to you. It's just, if you just keep walking in it. We may not understand everything or we may not be able to put all the pieces together right now. But as you walk in it, God will make sure that that happens. All right? So the steps in the journey uh, are important. I, I found this little statement here by Neil Armstrong, who was a uh, very interesting character, the first man who took a step on the moon. And he went to the old city of Jerusalem and the Holda Gate. Uh, the Holda Gate is a really neat place because it is truly the, uh, the entranceway. They know that Jesus walked up and came into the temple compound. And so this is a really... Uh, a significant place now. And it's kind of a new, uh, a new area that's opened up around the Temple Mount. We, we often, when we go there now, we go up and walk up the steps and, uh, we sing and, and, uh, you know, it's, it's just a really special time. And it really is a kind of a special atmosphere that's there right in that spot. And when he went up those steps, Armstrong asked a guide whether Jesus had in fact walked on that same path. And when he was told that Christ had, he humbly replied and said, I have to tell you that I'm more excited stepping on these stones than I was stepping on the moon. 
And that's the kind of a place that it is. And so the steps of the, uh, of the righteous, the footsteps of, of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. And I believe that God has ordained us to be here in this hour. And there's a reason for that. And every step we take, every day we live, every season we go through, it brings us a step closer to that kingdom on the other side. And I don't know about you, but I find it an exciting time to live. It's not always a pleasant time to live, but it's an exciting time to live. Would you agree? Think about this now. This is an ex- this is an extraordinary time. Nobody has lived in a time just like this. We're not only at a transition from the Gentiles to the Jews, but we're also at a going home time where God's going to take the bride and take her over on the other side to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And we believe it's all winding up. We believe it's all culminating. And God's got his eye on a specific people to get her from where she is to where she needs to be. And you're a part of a body that is making that journey. So every one of these steps, uh, to me is important. And I think, uh, we should be coming to church with an expectation that every service, uh, God's gonna speak to us about that journey and about the preparation we need to make in order to get across on the other side. Where you go to church makes a difference. What you're, what group you're a part of, what you're listening to, the word that you're hearing, all of that matters, right? All of that counts in the, in the end, in the great scheme of things. And so, uh, it's an important thing that, uh, God is doing in our time, and I'm just glad to be a part of it. All right. Now let's look in the church age book, and here's where Brother Branham, uh, makes this statement about identity. And this is the, I, I put this right up front here because I want you to kind of lodge this in your mind. The true church of Jesus Christ, the bride. How many, how many of those members do we have here today? The bride of Christ, all right, this is who he's addressing us to, is likened to pure gold. Her righteousness is his righteousness. Her attributes are his own glorious attributes. Her identity is found in him. What he is, she is to reflect. What he has, she is to manifest. There is no fault in her. Somebody say amen. There is no fault in her. She is all glorious within and without. She is all glorious within and without. From beginning to ending, she is the work of her Lord, and all his works are perfect. In fact, in her is summed up and manifested the eternal wisdom and purpose of God. Wow, I'm glad he said that, and you know what? I, I just, I, I mean, that's, that's pretty outstanding. That's, that, those are pretty outstanding statements here. That in fact in her is summed up and manifested the eternal wisdom and purpose of God. You may say, uh, you know, you may say, well, I, you know, I don't feel good today. Or I, uh, you know, I'm not sure about my job. Or I can't get my kids to pick up their socks off the floor in the bedroom. Or whatever else. There's a lot of, uh, you know, like necessities and circumstances that all of us face. But you know what? Those things are going to remain here. They're not going to, they're, they're probably not going to change much. We're, we're going to, they're, they're all going to remain here when the bride goes. When you stand back and realize that God called you for a purpose higher than just your job and higher than just your retirement and higher just in your natural job, He's called you for a purpose and perfected His own character in you. And that's what He's continuing to do in our lives. Let me tell you, it's not me that's perfect. It's Christ in me that's perfect. And He doesn't do anything wrong he doesn't make decisions that are uh that are that are ones that he takes back everything that he does is sure and true how can one fathom it how can one fathom that how can one understand it though we cannot do that we can accept it by faith for god has spoken it 
You may not feel it. You may not see it when you look in the mirror. You may not see it when you look around in this world and even in our uh, own ranks here. But let me tell you, by faith, you've got to embrace that. You've got to identify with that. That is your true identity right here. How many believe that? It's no point in us going any further if we don't believe that. We are a part of that group. We are a part of that bride. And you're a part of that bride not because you fell into it or not because your mom and dad uh, go to a right church. You are a part of that because of predestination. And God has chosen you from before the foundation of the world. And that's a, that's a thing that we need to embrace. That's a thing that we need to understand. All right. Going back and looking at this idea of nations here just very briefly... Uh, nations essentially are not mentioned or talked about prior to the flood. And this is, a, uh, this is a, um, an important thing to recognize. It was after the flood that uh, nations came out of people. There were three sons of Noah, and these nations came from there. This is a chapter 10 where it talks about the genealogy of, of uh, the, the family tree of Noah's sons and how they scattered, uh, how they uh, were divided in the earth after the flood, and this is how the, the nations essentially were were formed. Now we know that after uh, after the Tower of Babel, that God confounded languages, and so that caused even a greater separation between these people. People who tended to communicate together in the same language, they lived together. People who talked the same language. And had their language in common, tended to congregate together. That's why you fit in here. Because you speak a certain language. I've said, I've told you uh, this example many years ago that I was with my brother Mark. uh, And back in the day when uh, computers were still spectacular. Right? They were new. They were fascinating. They were, uh, you know, uh, laptops were the size of the grand piano and mainframes were as big as the inside of this church. Took us to power, the power requirement of a small town in order to run them back then. And uh, my brother was, uh, he came out of high school and he went into computer programming, graduated, and uh, he was uh, hired by the telephone company uh, up there in, uh, in Newfoundland. Good to have the Knobloch with us. Uh, he was hired by the telephone company there, and he was hired for one purpose, uh, to, to help in the programming area. And the key area of any phone company is the billing, believe it or not. They're not so much worried about whether your call goes through. They're worried about whether you get the bill and whether that bill is paid. And so the billing central, uh, the, the, the area that uh, controlled all the billing and the mailing out of invoices uh, that was an area that they had three experts in them. One of them was my brother. And he was hired to sit next to Harry. Harry was an eccentric. I mean, he was one of the most eccentric people that I'd ever met. He sat in a chair, an old wooden chair in his desk, and his desk was a mound of books and papers and lunch bags. And he was a real heavy set fellow, big fellow, and he just leaned back all the time. Anytime I ever saw him, he leaned back and had his feet up on the desk. And you couldn't do anything on the desk. The desk was just a repository for stuff. Uh, it was about five to six feet tall with junk on it, and it just had all these bags and food wrappers and kind of like Lucas's car, if you want to go out and look at it out there. And just stuff. I mean... And Harry, the thing about Harry, and the reason that he remained in employment was that he was so brilliant. He was just an absolutely, uh, he was a, they considered him a genius, but he had it all right here. And that was a dangerous thing. He had it all right here. 
And they hired Mark, because Mark is a kind of a fellow who would talk to anyone. And they hired Mark to kind of sit next to Harry and pick out of Harry's head what the company needed to know in case Harry kicked the bucket. If Harry kicked the bucket, hey, there was a lot of processes would have stopped. It would have stalled if Harry died. So they had to get Mark to, to, uh, to learn and to write down and catalog and uh, document what, what Harry knew because he had, he had codes and information and, uh, you know, the, just the processes that were happening in this computer. Uh, it was really important for someone else to know this besides Harry. And the company knew it was very vulnerable uh, with just Harry knowing that. So they hired Mark just to do that. And they said, you know, the, the computer part is secondary, but picking out of Harry's head what, what he knows is what we need to have from you. And there was another girl that was in the same department there. They had, they had a little room about as big as my office there. And one day I was going to meet Mark after work, and it was a Saturday. And they were doing a computer swap between one mainframe to another mainframe that was quite small. It was about as big as this. Uh, back then, and it was one of those uh, IBM supercomputers uh, that they had to process all this stuff, and it was, uh, it was a big deal to transition all of this material data to this little machine here that we're going to migrate it over to here. Said all that to say this, that I went in and I sat down uh, because I was going to pick up Mark at around like 4 o'clock, and so I arrived a little early. Mark just said, well, here, take a seat, and I, I, was, I was in the room with the three of them. And as they began to talk, I realized... These guys are in a completely other world. They're, this is a. Comp- I didn't understand anything they said. I understand the three-letter words and the four-letter words that they use, like the, this, push, stop, things like that. But the the, the wording that they used was was back then. To me, it was so complicated and it was so otherworldly that I I, I had no idea what they were doing. It was like they were from another planet. But they had a language in common. And therefore, they could work together. They, they could accomplish something because they had a language in common. And that language separated them. Even if you were sincere and you wanted to join them, you wouldn't know what to do because they were talking in such, uh, you know, strange code and, uh, the, the way that they, the, the things they talked about, you know, some of you, some of you brilliant folks would uh, understand that. I sure didn't back then. And I, uh, I, I was just amazed at how unique this was. The idea is, is similar here in the days of Noah after the, after the flood and after Nimrod. Post-Nimrod, the, the people of the earth congregated because of language. They separated out into different places and went to different parts of the earth. But no matter where they went, God's people were always favored by God. He always had his eye on his people. We believe that was true. We believe it is true today. That God always watches over his people, right? He has his eye on everything that takes place on the earth, but he watches over his people. And so it is important for us to, to realize that if, if you are the elect of God, if you are the chosen of God, God doesn't throw away his elect. Can you rest in that this morning? Romans 11, if anybody should have been cast off, it should have been Israel. But Paul writes, have God cast away his people? God forbid. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid. But rather, through their fall, salvation has come unto the Gentiles, that's us, for to provoke them to jealousy. 
So God did a unique thing through Israel, and you are the people that are here today witnessing the resurrection of a nation, going back into Israel and being who they are. God said, I will be to them as a little sanctuary, and this is in their time of captivity. We read this last Sunday, that I will be to them a sanctuary in the countries where they go. They will have places of worship. They will have opportunities to gather. They will have, uh, you know, this remembrance of their God no matter where life takes them. And no matter how difficult things are, there will always be a, a, a knowledge of God and a presence of God. I will be a little sanctuary to them. And, and that's what God promised them through the ages. As I mentioned last Sunday, we also saw that uh, there was uh, there was this idea in the eyes of Jews that there are the Jews, and then there's everybody else in the world. There are the Jews and the cosmos. And this word that uh, is used for the rest of the world besides Jews is the word goyim. Now, the definition is a really interesting one because it is, uh, it is a Yiddish word. It's not a Hebrew word, uh, but it, it derived from uh, the Hebrew language that God chose Abraham and God had uh, lineages come from Abraham, and the rest of the people in the earth didn't matter. And that's literally the way a lot of Jewish people thought, and you'll find lots of them even think today. Uh, they don't want to have anything to do with the non-Jews. There was no marriage between Jews and non-Jews, because they were considered not a people. They were not included in the program of God. But now as we find, we found in the Scripture... Uh, that there was another group that was to come after Calvary, after Christ shed his blood, and he did away with Jew and Gentile when it came to salvation. How many understand? I mean, you can still be a Canadian or a Zimbabwean or a Ghanaian, or you can be whatever, uh, whatever, whatever part of the world geographically you're from, but in terms of salvation, that's inconsequential. It doesn't matter whether you're from Ghana. It doesn't matter whether you're from Lenore. It, I mean, we're talking about remote places in the earth here. Shingle Hollow, right? Because the blood, the blood made everybody, in a sense, countryless. In other, you, you, and I, we don't need to belabor this, but the, the blood of Christ redeemed us to God by thy blood, out of every kindred, nation, and tongue. So there was a, a, a group of people who came out. There are still nations. There are still Jewish uh, people. But there is a, if you like, a nation out of a nation that has come. I'm talking to you now because you are that nation that God has redeemed out of every nation of the earth. It's a nation out of a nation. Just like Israel was in Egypt, it was a nation that came out of a nation. Now by the blood of Christ, we have come out of the nations and we are called a holy nation, the people of God, or the elect that God has chosen from before the foundation of the world. We are afforded the same watchful eye as the Jews had through their, through their uh, years and their difficult years. We are afforded the same kind of sanctuary. Let me tell you, it had to be the presence of God that held everybody and kept everybody. When 68 million people died... The death because of religious spirits that operated in the earth. It had to be the presence of God that held people. 
It's not, look, folks, it's not me that's holding you. It's not HBT that's holding you. It's not Brother Branham that's holding you. It's the presence of Almighty God in your life that holds you where you are and keeps you steady and keeps you straight and keeps you healed and keeps you moving forward and keeps you going even when everything else cries for you to stop and go another way, go an easier way. It's the presence of God in your life that's working to keep you going because you're a part of a nation that doesn't belong in this world. You belong in another place altogether and God's moving us toward that place and so we are a nation out of a nation if you like and this is the idea that the world still exists the Jews still exist and there is this other nation the world doesn't recognize we're not represented in the UN but that doesn't matter we are a people who share the passports of other nations of the world that's fine but I will tell you what we have another identifier and that identifier is the truth of election. Things will change once the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled, right? Because we'll go from, uh, just like the Jews went from Babylon, uh, you know, from Israel to Babylon and back, uh, we will also go from Babylon to Mystery Babylon, and that will all be triggered, that will all happen in its fullness when the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. So this, this uh, special nation uh, of the Gentile bride one day will be gone. And we'll be gone because we are created, chosen, and called. And God has uh, ordained for us to leave this world in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. And that's when you don't want to be left here. And I know you're here because you don't want to be left there. I know every one of you want to be right so you're not left. I know every one of you want to learn and grow and, and uh, be dealt with by God because we want to be prepared for that time when we leave here. Right? Every one of us. Bring it on. That should be our attitude. Bring it on. Lord, change my life. Change circumstances. Change whatever needs to change in order for me to be where I need to be, to know what I need to know, to experience what I need to experience in order to make it there. Because making it there matters. That's what matters. And he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be in this life holy and without blame before him in love because we are predestinated according to the good pleasure of his will. I'm going kind of fast. Some of these things we touched on last Sunday. And the purpose of this, and this is in the adoption series here, the purpose of this is seeing your position in Christ. The purpose of this and this, this teaching is what he's referring to, and this whole idea of adoption, the reason you go through training, the reason you go through school, the reason you go through this whole program, helps us understand why there are difficulties in life. Why there are changes that come. If we had our way, we would tend to let things just roll on as they are. We, we don't always, we don't always uh, pray for drastic change that come into our lives. Sometimes we do. When you're young, you do because you think life is passing you by and you want God to change things. When you get older, though, you'll find that uh, it's probably a good thing for you to not change so drastically, right? So we want to kind of leave it like it is. And, uh, you know, have your kids around you and, and uh, you know, have Sunday dinner and uh, all of those kinds of... You know, there are some things that we would like to have uh, normalified. And it's okay that they remain normal. Brother Branham is saying that when we go through things, there's a, there's a, a purpose that God has in teaching and molding and changing you. And he says, this is not something you just stumbled into. Lo and behold, as we go along, we realize God actually had a plan for you. 
He actually had a plan. He had a purpose for you being here in the last day. He had a plan for you to do a particular part of of a job that fit into the rest of the body. And whether it's, you know, leading a song or preaching a sermon or, uh, you know, going on the mission field or being a, a good mom or a dad or whatever else, God had a purpose for all of us, and all of that matters. All of those things matter. Adoption is the purpose, the process of teaching you how to do it like the Father would do it. Right? Adoption is that whole process we go through where God teaches you how to do things like the Father would like them done. He says, not something you stumbled into, not something you merited, but it's what God did for you Himself. Not that you were so good that you went to church one night and some brother led you to the altar. It wasn't that. It was God before the foundation of the world predestinated you to eternal life. I think we could all admit that when we were born again, the day we were born again, we were not really ready to cross over into eternity. So there's a bit of work that needs to go on between here and there, right? Hey, that's what this is. That's why I'm here. Like it or not, that's why I'm here. All right. If this is true then, let's look in 1 Peter chapter 2. And if you want to hold on to your Bible here, we're going to look at a couple of passages in in this section of the Scripture. Here's where Peter now focuses in. He says, you are a chosen generation. That word chosen means elected or predestinated. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So you are witnesses of uh, the, the God who resurrects. You are the witnesses of the God who lives. Everybody look at me. You're, the, you're a witness of the God who is real. You're a witness of, of the God who uh, changes a life and takes him from the gutter of this world and can make him into somebody who actually reflects the glory and the language and the character of Christ, the one who called him in the first place. You're a witness of that. You should be. So in other words, when people look at you, they say, oh, wow, you know, he, he looks, uh, you know, they, they should be able to look at our young men and say, oh, these are clean-cut young men and no earrings, no tattoos. And no uh, braces, which no, 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 what do you call it? Slings, no, no, no braces, no, no nothing. Just Noah, just a, a young man of God. And, and uh, you know, it's just standing there, somebody who, uh, you know, doesn't, doesn't uh, tell uh, bad jokes and doesn't use bad language and is not running with the, uh, the kids of the world out here. I hope. I know. And... We are, we are not only, we're not only demonstrating what we don't do. It's not only a demonstration of what we're not up to. It's a demonstration of what God can turn us into. It's a demonstration of what we're becoming. And that's what's really interesting. It, it, we can say that our, you know, by God's grace, our young people, they don't smoke, they don't drink, they don't, uh, they don't carouse, they're not, uh, you know, uh, uh, messing around with girls and boys, uh, on their off time and, and so forth. That, you know, those are all things that, uh, we can say they don't do. But you know what? That's, that's not, that's not the, the real goal. That's, that's, to me, that's a benefit. That they are unmarked and untainted from the things of the world. But to me, what's more exciting, and I often, you may not believe this, but I often think about you young people that are sitting up here in the front and think about what you're going to become. I think about what God is training you to do and what God is molding you to do and why you're in the family you're in and why, uh, you know, God brought you here and what can I do to facilitate that process that the Holy Spirit's trying to do in your heart. 
It's what you're becoming that's exciting. It's what you're going to be, what God has called you to be. That's what's exciting. Because God wants you not just to be a part of the nation, but He wants you to show forth. He wants you to live out. He wants you to express. He wants you to be a witness to this world that God lives and God is real and God demonstrates His character in His life, even in young kids that are swallowed up by the world today and all the media and the music and all the uh, all the entertainments today. The young people today are swallowed up by that would you agree it's a it's a bottomless pit of endless senseless entertainment a lot of it a lot of it is and young people are swallowed up in it and they i mean it it's just you know it's just uh, uh one app after another and uh you know just just the you know the, the life you know the lifestyle you don't need me to describe it because <laughs> i don't know but you, you, the it's it's a lifestyle and kids are pulled into it because everybody else is pulled into it and everybody else is doing it and what god wants to see in you is to say you know what that's the way the world does it that's the way the world entertains themselves but that's not what i'm called to do I'm a part of another kingdom. I'm a part of another nation. Which in time past, verse 10, watch, this is underlined, which in time past were not a people, but now are the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. You were not a people. Now, that doesn't mean that you were not a, you know, on the globe, that we showed back there. It doesn't mean that, but it means that you were not a people in the eyes of God. You were not a people of the covenant. No prophets were sent to the Gentiles like they were sent to the Jews. There was no uh, provisions that were made for, uh, you know, the Gentiles, say, to come out of Egypt like, uh, like, like Israel did. When Israel was trapped in Egypt, God sent a prophet and God made a way through the water, right? Tell me a place in the Gentile world where God did that. We, we, we read back in the Bible where uh, the, the Jewish people were traveling in the will of God, in the wilderness, and God rained down manna every day. God gave them food every day and gave them water from the rock so they would be sustained in the desert. Tell me a Gentile nation that God did that for. We read about a prophet. I mean, there's many examples. We read about a prophet, uh, you know, who uh, went to Goshen one day, and uh, he looks around, and he, he sees the, uh, the Syrians coming after him, and Elisha's there, and he sees all the Syrians coming around, and he's looking at that, and he's not afraid at all. And, and, and his servant Gehazi, you know, asked him about it, and he said, well, hey, there are more of us than there are with them. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He says, God, open his eyes. And, and, and he prayed that God would open his open eyes. And he looks around and he sees all the angels standing in chariots around the edges of the horizon there. And he looks, tell me a Gentile nation where God did something like that. These are a people that obtained mercy. These are a people who obtained the blessing of God, right? And they had promises and they had covenants and they had benefits and they had, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the gracious presence of God following them no matter where they went, no matter who attacked them, God was right there. Can you say amen? And, and here, here, Paul, or sorry, Peter is writing and he says, now you people, he says, you've been called out of darkness and you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You Gentiles. He's saying this 2,000 years ago. You Gentiles are the people of God. You're the people now that God's going to do exploits for. You're the people that are going to know mercy. 
You're the people that are going to know grace. You're the people that are going to have salvation come knock on your door. You were not the people of God. It didn't matter in terms of salvation for 2,000 years in the Old Testament. But now you're the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims. I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims. Because now that's what you've become. In a sense, you have been extracted out of your nation to become a member of this holy nation. And until you die or are raptured, you're now officially designated a pilgrim, a stranger. Your passport changed. Or if you like, God handed you another passport, and this passport's for another kingdom altogether. Are we okay? <laughs> you, you now, now Peter says, dearly beloved, I beseech you, I'm going to address you, as pilgrims and strangers. You're not, you're not residents anymore of this old world. This old world is not going to hold me. This old world can't keep me. This old world is really just a necessary evil. Because it helps me feed my family. It helps me to, you know, get to Walmart. It helps me to live and feed and clothe my family and all that. But you know what? This is not my world. Now... I officially, when I become a member of this nation, now, you know what? I'm a pilgrim and a stranger here. Now look, I always tell the brothers overseas, when I go overseas and visit them, and I, you know, some of the countries are beautiful countries, Norway and, uh, you know, in, in parts of Africa and different places, and, I always, and, and they're always, always, they're very proud of their country, and they love to show me places there, and, and uh, I've gotten to visit some lovely places in the earth. But I always tell them, I love to come, but I love to go. Because this is not my home. This is not really where I belong. And I have no kindred here, except the believers. I mean, I love to be with the believers. But you know what? Naturally speaking, I love to go home. I love to come, but I love to go home. In a real way, that's kind of how we feel, right? We've been now changed from pilgrims, uh, from residents of this world uh, to uh, pilgrims in, the, in this world. So that, um, you know what, we, we enjoy this world. We enjoy the, uh, the blessings of, you know, being around with family and everything else and our towns and our, our careers and all that. Hey, we're thankful for that. But at the end of the day, this is not my home. And one day, we're going to go home to our real place. Right? So Peter says, I'm going to address you as that. And as a result of that, watch now what he says. If you're a pilgrim and a stranger in this world, and here's what you need to do. Make all the money you can. No, he doesn't say that. He doesn't say glean from America everything you can get. Get the best phone possible or the fastest laptop. He doesn't say that. He says abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. That's what he says. That's how he starts out. If you're a pilgrim and a stranger in this world, then you need to abstain from certain things here. You need to think about your involvement, or let's put it this way, your entanglement with this world. Because fleshly lusts will come in many forms. They'll come in a natural sexual form. They'll come in a financial uh, temptations. They'll come in career temptations. 
there's all kinds of things, money, women, popularity. All of those things are fleshly lusts which war against the soul. They'll, they'll, you'll find yourself contrary to what God's trying to do in the adoption process. Having, therefore, your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak of you as an evildoer, misunderstood, they may be by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. So now, all of a sudden, you become, an, you become a resident of, of this other kingdom. You're a pilgrim and a stranger here. But you've got to begin to display certain characteristics because you represent this other kingdom. And in that process, you're going to be misunderstood. There's going to be a whole bunch of people not really understand why you love what you love, why you go where you go, why people would drive from Virginia to come to church here, why people, I've been in Shingle Hollow. I have. And I made it out. But I've been there. And there's lots of churches, big churches in Shingle Hollow. It's amazing. I, I, you know, I've been to all the towns, basically, where you folks are from. And there's churches in all of those towns. But yet there's something in you that leaves that town and comes to, uh, comes, makes the journey, comes this distance here. People that uh, actually left countries to come and, and to be here and be a, uh, you know, a part of what God is doing, not only in our church, but in other uh, churches as well where the message is being preached. There's something more uh, going on here than just, uh, wow, these are nice people and they have nice pews and they have a nice fellowship hall. There's, there's more to it than that. And, and he's saying that in your, in your life now that you live, you live for one purpose, and that is to have uh, your conversation honest among the Gentiles. You're going to strive to have people look at you and talk about you differently than how they talked about you before you met Christ. Before you met Christ, they looked at you one way. Now they're going to have to look at you another way. And your job is not to save yourself and not to get yourself to heaven. Jesus has promised he'd do that. Your job is to take a little bit of heaven and put it on display here to draw people to that place. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, put in me whatever I need to have in order to display you to this dying people out here. They're going to be, they're going to be, I'm going to be misunderstood. And they may not get that. But nonetheless, that's my job. When Jesus was here, he did the same thing. He did great works and great signs and wonders and said great things that we're still quoting today. And we're still printing and putting in the hands of people all over the world. But he was misunderstood. And he was hated by certain people just because of who he was. Don't think it's strange that you would experience that as well. Now, in the, in the Bible, the word stranger there, it means a foreigner, one who lives in a place without the right of citizenship, one who lives on earth as a stranger, uh, a sojourner. You, <laughs> uh, this may be like nails on a chalkboard, but I'm going to say it anyway. When you, when you become a Christian, to me... We forfeit our right to really become involved in the political process. Because you know the world and the politics and all the rest of that, it's something that we live in a place without the right of citizenship. We've relinquished something when we become a Christian. Right? We, We laid down... Our soul, at, at the, we, we laid ourselves down at the foot of the cross. We, we, we forfeited rights. Now we are his sheep. 
Now, Brother Branham said, if God told me to go down by the graveyard of President George Washington and stand there, Abraham Lincoln, and stand there and call for his life to come, he would do it. In other words, he had a power to do something through the God that he served, but he was under leadership. And in the same way, our focus is not on trying to correct the cosmos. It is more on displaying a bit of heaven in this cosmos. And so therefore, whatever we do, we need to do at his leadership and at his urging. Right? I, 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 to me, I, I, my, my job, my energy is not spent on trying to correct, uh, you know, the, the laws and rules of this, of this world. Because it's really not much point. This world is falling apart and it's going to go down. So I'm not going to get too caught up in, uh, you know, mask mandates. Or I'm not going to get too caught up in what the government's going to do next or here and there. Uh, let me tell you, that, you know what, that'll change tomorrow and then it'll change another day. And it's a pretty frustrating cycle of things to do. Matter of fact, we find ourselves in a frustrating cycle over in Afghanistan over there because of politics. And, uh, you know, to, when you, when you know what goes on on the inside, uh, I, I would, listen, if I'm going to spend my energy and if I'm going to fight for something, I'd rather fight for the right. I'd rather fight for truth. I'd rather fight for the Word of God. I'd rather put my energy and my resources into, uh, the kingdom of heaven, not, not the kingdoms of this world. Because you know what? Ultimately, they're all under the control of so in a sense, we are, we are residents here without the right of citizenship. Now, I still have, I, uh, I have two. I have Canadian and I have an American passport. But you know what? I'd be glad to give them up because they're not my primary passport. My primary passport is the, uh, the predestination uh, representation that I have on the Lamb's Book of Life over here by the Oregon. That, that is to me the most important thing. You can have all the other passports in life. Those are secondary to that one. So I'm going to work for the king of that country first. We find the same thing over here that uh, in the book of Acts when Stephen is telling the story of the children of Israel. God spoke on this wise that his seed should sojourn in a strange land. This is to Abraham. And that they should bring them into bondage and entreat them uh, evil for 400 years. And then fled Moses at the saying, and he was a stranger in the land of Midian. You know who he was in Midian? Nobody. Uh, I, I said that when Moses went to Midian, you know who he was? Nobody. Nobody came along and said, oh, mighty prophet. Nobody came along and said, oh, Moses, you're a great man raised in the, in the palace of Pharaoh. He was an outcast, if you like, in Midian. He was only there temporarily until God got out of him what he wanted out and put in him what he wanted to put in. And then he was sent back into action again. To me, in this world, we are a people who travel through it without much fanfare. Not many noble, not many rich, not many mighty, but we just pass through this world, right? And that's the, that's the meaning of the word uh, uh, stranger in the scripture there. So don't be, don't be afraid that we are uh, considered strangers here. You're, you're really nothing. In the eyes of this world, we're really nothing. Uh, and if you don't believe that, wait till they change laws about our church here. Say, you know, like the laws that are going to be changed about our church. And then write, write to your representative. And see how far that goes. See, see how far, uh, you can, you can sway, uh, this current government by scripture verses in your letter. That's a joke. 
I can tell you, I can tell you with authority that there are uh, already motions in government to make sure that no one serves who is, they're trying to do this. It's not passed yet, but they're trying to do this. That no one serves in public office who is a publicly professed Christian who believes in the scripture. We're we're a short step away from being real pilgrims in this world and real strangers in this world. Meaning that uh, you know if you try to uh, you try to turn things around, try to move things around, manipulate things politically, forget it. So my advice to you is not even to try. And I I don't think any of you are planning to run for office. I don't know about John Anthony. I don't know if he is, but uh, I would advise you to put your energy somewhere else. Because in Ephesians 2 now, watch what Paul writes. For through him, we both have access. Through him, through Christ, we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Let's slow down a little bit and look at these words. Through Christ, you have access by one spirit unto the Father. The glorious thing about Israel back in the old days is that they had access to God. God watched over them. He accompanied them. He was with them. He put an angel in front of them, right? And he was there. When they needed him, he was right there. He was not a million miles off. He was right there. Paul is telling us that through Christ, you have access to that same Father. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. We now... We just read that we were strangers and pilgrims here. That's this world. And Paul is telling us, but now we are no more strangers and, and uh, foreigners to that world. We are now fellow citizens with every great man of God and woman of God who stood through the ages. With every great prophet, with every great movement, with every great leader, with every great biblical personality that we find in the scripture, we are now... Not strangers and foreigners, but now we are fellow citizens with the saints. You know what that means? That means when we get there, Brother David, and we get over on the other side, there will be people standing there like Abraham, Daniel, and the three that were thrown in the fire. And there will be Sarah and Eve. And there will be Ruth and Esther, and they'll all be standing there mingling, however it actually unfolds. And you'll be able to walk up to the line with them. You'll be able to walk up to the crowd, and they'll actually make a little space for you to stand there with them because you're one of them. It's not going to, look, it's not going to be that, you know, when you come into a room of people like that, Abraham and Moses and David and Elijah. Martin Luther, and you come into a room like that, and they, they kind of look at you and kind of turn their back and squeeze you out. You ever been squeezed out in a room you thought you might fit in, and then you, all of a sudden you find people sque- squeezing you out, they're turning their back, and, and they, they don't want you to be a part of that little clique or that little group right there. I'll tell you how it's going to be in heaven. According to this right here, that we are... When we come into that room with all those great personalities there, we're going to be able to stand there and they're going to step a little bit aside and make room for you because you are as much a citizen of that kingdom as you are a natural and you were a natural citizen of this kingdom right here. 
You are as much a part of the economy of God as those great men were, and you have a right to stand there. You know why? Because you all have one thing in common, and that is you're all under the blood of Jesus Christ. We're all redeemed by the one Savior. And you are a fellow citizen with the saints and and of the household of God. The household of God is that, uh, you know, we, we find in Scripture phrases that are, that are referred to like the house of David. Uh, you know, in the, uh, the, the house of, uh, you know, the, the, the great kings and leaders, the house of Solomon, the house of David, and the, uh, you know, the, the empires that they had. And it means that you have access to that. It means that uh, everything that's in the house is yours. Everything that, uh, that is included in the kingdom is yours. Everything that they had a right to, you have a right to. Everything, every favor, every, every act of grace and mercy, all of that. And then he goes on to say, and you are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. You know what that implies? That means that if you are built on that foundation, that is an unmovable foundation. That is a foundation that not, will not be overthrown by Satan. If you're built on that foundation, you are a part of a building that will not collapse no matter how high the winds blow. They were just saying uh, this morning on the news, they were saying that uh, the surge in the waves that are coming with this hurricane that's hitting uh, Louisiana this afternoon, uh, the surge, they say, will be unsustainable. There'll be no human being able to be standing there and survive that surge because it's so high and so strong. Uh, you know, when it, when it actually hits the shore as a category four, you know, in that, in that category. I mean, it's an extraordinary powerful thing. And there's nothing, they know, and that's why they're telling people to get out of the way because there's nothing that's going to be able to stand, uh, when that comes. Most people can stand most things, but there's some things in life you're not going to be able to stand. And Paul is giving us the assurance here. He's giving us a statement that's very clear. That you are a part of a building that Jesus himself is not only the cornerstone of that building, but he's also the capstone of that building. And if I understand my Bible right, if we are a part of that building, it will never collapse no matter how hard Satan blows against it. It'll never, it'll never collapse because Jesus Christ himself is the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are also builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. You are a part of the tabernacle that God wants to use in this day to show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The household of God. Uh, to me, it's a great thing. It, it's, it's, it's a house... A family that is related by blood. It is related by kindred. I'm not a Jew. I don't have any Jewish blood in me. I, I, I'm uh, 98% Irish, I think. Uh, and, and so there's, there's uh, almost an intraceable amount of uh, Jewish blood in me. But I'm, I'm related by blood. This is what the meaning of the word means in the scripture. I'm related by blood. I'm connected with, the, with all of the saints of God through the ages there. And it's not my blood, but it's the blood of Jesus Christ and the life that, that he put inside me. That is how we are connected. All right. So what? It's a good, good place to say so what. I'm glad, Brother Brandon said, that we live in a kingdom that's not made with the hands of men. 
I'm glad we come to a kingdom that men had nothing to do with. And our kingdom is above. You know what? If men had nothing to do with it, men, have, men will have no power in taking it apart. And if our kingdom is above, we're born from above. We seek those things which are above. We're Christ at the right hand of God. We're not ashamed. Where he's not ashamed of us as our testimony. Say it, let me say it again. If our kingdom is above, then we seek those things that are above. Where Christ sits at the right hand of God, where he's not ashamed of us as our testimony. We're not ashamed of him on this earth because we are pilgrims and strangers. This is Brother Branham now telling us what Peter is telling us here. You've become a pilgrim and a stranger. We're not of this earth. We're born of the Spirit of God, sitting together with heavenly places in Christ Jesus, washed in his blood, born of the Spirit, filled with his grace. Misunderstood? What do we care? We love him. That's the, that's the important thing. And you know what? He loves us. And we have access to God. We have access to the Father. So no matter what you're going through, you can appeal to him. You can, you can have an appointment with him. But here's Brother Branham kind of summarizing the life of a pilgrim. Here's the life of a stranger. We seek those things which are above, not the things of this world. Uh, we are a people who are unusual. All right, here's where Brother Branham says it. Here's where Brother Branham tells the story. He's going down through the, the street with his wife. Now, you don't need to read this story because you've all read it. And, um, you know, Brother Branham's walking through the gross, going to the grocery store, and they say, they say, according to people that I've talked to, that Brother Branham often went to the grocery store. I like that because I kind of I feel comfortable in the grocery store, and I, I, I like I, I go to the grocery store in our house. I, I like that. I have my black belt in Kroger, and and uh, I know where everything is, and often help people out in the store too. I mean, it's true. Brother Branham did that, and <clears throat> one time he was there with his wife, and he 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 talked to a. There was a lady passed by, and, and she had a skirt on, you know, and Brother Branham was kind of shocked at that. And he and his wife, they began to talk about that. And, and she said, well, uh, you know, this, is, this is, uh, was an unusual thing. And Brother Branham remarked the fact that this woman had a skirt on. And, and uh, Brother Branham was saying that, you know, a lot of women are influenced by this world and not that world, and he, that's, that was the conversation. And she said, well, well, what kind of a kingdom do we belong to if we're not not really Americans, you know, like act like Americans, what kingdom are we? And he said, each man in his own domain, his kingdom, acts, acts that way. So Germans act like Germans, Swiss act like Swiss, um, Americans act like Americans. All right, so here's the, the point, here's the bottom line. You take on the characteristics of your country of origin. We, we, we all do. If you're Amer- Americans, you all act like Americans because you're Americans. I mean, you take on the characteristics of the nation you're a part of. That's obvious. <clears throat> the thing is, though, for us, is that as children of God, we've gone through a switch because we once were a part of this world and manifested the characteristics of that, but now there's been a switch. So now you actually had to manifest the characteristics of another nation because you're actually called from that nation, and that nation is certainly more important than this nation. And so Brother Branham says in the second paragraph there, 
We live here, but when we're born from above, we have a spirit that comes from there where people are holy and a holy God. And you're a royal priesthood. You're bought with a price. You're an alien. He says it again. And he says, you're afraid of the new birth? Second paragraph, he said, it only makes you a different person. If you're not a different person, then you're not converted. If you're a member of the denomination, or we say this, if you just grew up in this church and you never had a real true experience with God and a new birth, you're going to begin to look like people who come to HBT. You're going to begin to conform to how I say, uh, how preachers say that we should dress and conduct ourselves. You're going to do your very best to do that because you're all good people. And that's what he's saying. If, you're, if your father is a denomination, you're going to act like that denomination. If your father is God, you're going to actually live holy. Right? So he, you, you, can, you can read this. And you, in other words, you take on the characteristics of the nation that you're a part of. Now, all right, so we've we got to take that now, and I'm, I'm going to run out of time. So let's just summarize this and say, Paul is very clear about this. These people who are pilgrims and strangers in this world, part of that holy nation, he says, if you're risen with Christ, then number one, we're going to seek those things which are above. That includes the will of God. We're going to seek the will of God. The will of God is up here, right? And we want it, Lord, we want your will for my life to be expressed down here, but we're going to seek it there. We're going to go to him to find that out. We're going to pray. We're going to, we're going to ask God what the will is for our, for our lives. That's what we're going to do. If you're risen with Christ. So if I'm the people who are risen with Christ now I'm talking to here this morning, then we're going to, we're going to seek those things which are above. We're going, to, we're going to seek how to overcome. We're going to seek how to have wisdom. We're going to seek how to raise our children right. We're going to seek the right way to handle our money. We're going to do everything we can. Now, God's helped us. He's given us the Bible. He's given us a message. He's given us good resources. He's given us a fivefold ministry. He's given us lots of things. But the idea is, is that God, we know, has all the answers. So if we're looking for answers, we're going to seek him for those answers. Should I marry this person? Should I pursue this career? All of those things are not really our choice because nothing on this earth is going to give us the will of God because God doesn't live in this worldly place. He has his own dominion, his own kingdom. So we're going to seek first the kingdom of God, right? We're going to seek those things which are above. That's what we're after now. So in other words, you're not going to, you, you, you either seek God or you Google something. If we Google, we're going this way. If we're seeking God's will, we're going that way. And you had to make a decision, right? Now, there's some things that help you to accomplish things in life on Google, and we all do it. Uh, that's not what I'm referring to, but I'm saying that if I want to know what's the, what's the will of God for my life, I've got to seek this way instead of this way. If I ask my friends, they'll all have an opinion. If we took a vote here, you'd all have a say. But, but that's not what Paul is telling us to do. If you're risen with Christ, then you go this way. You go immediately and go that way. Seek first the things that God has to say. And you set your affection on things above. Wow. I, that's, that's a, you ever watch people? Uh, I, we, we were in Boston recently, and uh, uh, I wanted to just drive by the... Um, they, they have right in the middle of downtown, they have the sports stadiums there. And, 
And uh, they say in Boston, and I, I don't know, I've never been to a, a baseball game or anything like that, you know, a pro game or anything like that. But they say that in, in, in Boston that it, it's like all you need to do is say something in the street contrary to one of their sports teams. And death is permissible. Sooner is better than later. I mean, you talk about a passionate people. And, and uh, I went to one time uh, to another uh, town. I won't mention what the town was. But I, I went to another town one time. On a, on, I was on a church mission. And it was a football city. <laughs> and uh, I couldn't get over. The street names were all famous football players who played for that team. And I had, I had to call up somebody and I say, who is this and who is this? I took photographs of the signs and I, I had no idea who it was because every street was a John Brown Avenue or a Philip McGuire Street or something. And I, I thought, what a, what a strange place. But the whole town was characterized by this uh, football dynasty. You talk about passion. As a matter of fact, the town itself was colored in the team's colors. I mean, public buildings, streets, and everything else had the two colors of that football team. And I felt like I had driven into a dream. Not my dream. <laughs> it was a nightmare. But I'd driven into their dream, their, this hallowed place for football players. And I can tell you something, that it was not hard to figure out where their affections lay. I mean, they were passionate about that. And you, you dare not make a statement about that. You know, every restaurant, we're going to have the blankety-blank pancakes and so-and-so eggs. And I mean, it was, I couldn't get over it. My family couldn't get over it. We were just amazed at how affectionate, how passionate they were about this. this and it's just a stupid football team. But the, the point is real because they were so passionate about it. And all I'm saying to you is that Paul takes that idea and says, set your passion on things above. And and I will say this to you. I know you folks are professional listeners. You are people who pay attention. And I've, I've probably caused that in some way. But I will tell you this, that you're, when, when we, when we come to Sunday, Saturday night and Sunday, I believe, I believe that we should be, we should have an increasing, uh, enthusiasm. We should have an increasing passion to come together to worship the Lord. There, there are, uh, there are many reasons for that, but I, I would just say this, that this is the place where God, this is God's order. And we're doing this because God hasn't changed the order. Uh, there, there eventually will be a change come, and we won't be able to meet like, like this in this place. But right now, this is the order that God likes. And if He likes, then we should continue to do it, to do it until He instructs us otherwise. And, and as a result of that, if we have the expectation that God will actually meet with us, or speak to us, or say something to us here, or good things can happen in our lives, or the lives of our children, if you knew, if you knew as a father or mother that God could actually deal with the heart of your child here in church, I will tell you, you'd be, you'd be rousing your kids and saying in the morning, hey, let's go, time to go, let's go. Amen. 
Because I know there's things that God can do that no one else can do. And God promised wherever two or three were gathered, there he would meet in our midst. It wouldn't be a lethargic thing. It wouldn't be a passionless thing. It would not be a, uh, you know, lackadaisical thing. Well, anybody feeling bad? Well, I'm not feeling... Oh, great, great, we'll stay home. It, and I'm being sarcastic. But do you understand what I'm saying? That Paul is, Paul is instructing us as citizens of that kingdom. That's what, I, that's what I'm... Set your affection on things above. Not on things in this earth. For you're dead. Your life is here with Christ and God. And when Christ who is our life shall appear, and we shall also appear with him in glory. There's a consequence to this. There's a, there's a reward for this. So therefore, verse 5. Remember now who, who he's addressing this to. If ye be risen in Christ. Let me see a show of hands. How many of you are risen with Christ? How many of you know him as the resurrection? Alright, verse 5. Go to verse 5. Therefore... Do this, if you're one of them, mortify therefore your uh, members which are on the body. Uh, Let me read it right. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. Mortify means that you're going to deprive something of power. You're going to take away the life of something. You're going to rip the life out of something. If you mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness, which is idolatry. Watching things on Netflix, which contributes to your understanding of any of those things in the above verse any of those things right because you know you you remember you reflect the characteristics of the nation that you're a part of so there's all kinds of things that are out there that you can watch learn read listen to that help you understand how people in this world do those things and justify it lots of it right books all kinds of media everything out there helps people understand how to get away with things how to justify things. This is what everybody's doing. Come on. And we're less and less grieved with this world because of the normalization that goes on all the time. We are constantly, we are constantly being numbed to the filth of this world. And we're appalled less and less. And, and, and little, uh, little, uh, we're appalled less and less at what actually goes on in this world. And the unfortunate thing is, is that our young people who are bombarded by this stuff as much or more as we are, are also going through the same process of normalization. And the thing is about the adults, you've got years and years of experience to identify or at least know where you need to pull the brake on. But young people without years and years of experience, they often don't know how far they can go. So they don't know really well what this type of dress will do, what this type of attitude will do, what this type of music will pull me into. Listen, Brother Bram says some very strong things about what music can pull people into, especially if you're not born again. You might be a church member, but if you're not born again, he said the spirit that's on that music will pull you to places you never expected. It'll pull you in the direction to wear things and to be a part of things that uh, you probably never expected at all. But listen, give me a break. This is not my, I'm not, I'm not, I'm reading of something that was written 2,000 years ago. Can I, can I have another minute? If I had my father's nature, I'd do the things that my father did. But now that I'm born again, it depends on who my father was. Second paragraph. If your father is God, you're born in the family of God, you seek those things that pertain to God. You say it again. If your father is God, you're born in the family of God, you seek those things that pertain to God. You're God's child. So the whole idea is that we're... Our passion, 
are seeking our, our, our thirst is for things above, things that are pure, things that are holy, things that are righteous, things that are good. The future of the nations is pretty clear, right? Where the nations are going is pretty clear. That's not really much of a mystery. I mean, that's, that's pretty self-evident. Matter of fact, let me summarize it real fast for you. Two screens. Matthew chapter 4, all the kingdoms of the world belong to Satan. They only come back to God during the millennium. He's already redeemed them, but they come back to him during the millennium. Brother Branham says in the Church Age book, this ecumenical movement will end up with Rome at the head, even though people don't envision it that way. So that's what's going to happen to the religious system. So you have the nations of the world, and the religious systems are all under the control of somebody who doesn't really agree with what you believe. Right? So this world is going to become a squeezier place for God's people because it's controlled by entities and powers that are not in harmony with what we believe. This is kind of uh, on, the, on the negative side. But uh, the fate of nations, look, in other words, you don't want to be a part of these nations that are going here, where I'm describing. You don't want to be a part of nations that are going to be under the total control of the Roman Catholic Church and, and the Antichrist. You don't want to be a part of that. So there's only two, two nations you can be a part of. And to me, to be a part of uh, you know, the holy nation uh, as a member of the body of Christ is a glorious thing. Brother Bam said she, the, the Antichrist, she's controlling the last or fourth empire. This Roman church is doing that. But the world church system, Rome will be controlling because Rome controls the gold of the world. But here's Brother Bam's advice to us who are there. He says, don't you worry about that last line. Don't you pay so much attention to that iron curtain or the bamboo curtain. He says, but watch the purple curtain because that's, that's the one that's going to have, uh, the, have the ultimate level, level of control on this earth here. So the book of Judges says, God tells the people, hey, ye have, ye have forsaken me and served other gods. Wherefore, I will deliver you no more. There comes a point where God says, I'm not going to deliver the nations anymore. I'm not going to rescue America anymore. I'm not going to rescue the United Nations anymore. Go and cry unto the gods that you've chosen and let them deliver you in the time of your affliction. If you want to know, that is the plight of the nations of this world. That's where it's all going. You don't want to be a part of that. That's all I'm saying this morning. And that's the invitation. You don't want to be a part of that. You want to be a part of that which goes back to its rightful uh, land, right? back to its rightful kingdom, right? back to its rightful place. You want to be a part of that. And I, I, I trust this morning that I'm speaking to people who are indeed a part of that and who know, who know their identity. Because it's a marvelous thing. As Brother Branham says, it's a marvelous thing to recognize that uh, God has separated us from the things of this world. Well, if God separated us from things of the world, we shouldn't be going back to the things of the world, right? I mean, I know, I know believers, I know young men, very talented athletes. One guy I know who's involved in baseball and another guy who was involved in um, <clears throat> he, he was involved in uh, tennis, and he was involved in another couple of sports. I mean, very proficient. The kind of guy, wherever he went, there was always scouts around, that kind of a person. 
with blank checkbooks offering them money. And, 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 and God really dealt with their hearts. God really got a hold of those young men. And, and now they're married. They have jobs. They, they have kids. And they're serving God because God got a hold of their hearts. And they were receptive to that. And they, were, they were pulled in that direction. And I think that's the grace of God uh, in a young man's life. Or a young lady's life who's, who's pretty and, uh, you know, got talents and gifts. And easily, easily, you know, the, uh, the pull of this world becomes very strong as they, as they grow. And, the, you know, the opportunities that are there in this world for a young, a young man or a young woman like that to be a part of that. But to me, it's, it's, it's the grace of God that says, or as Brother Brandon describes it, his word is marvelous. It's a marvelous thing that God has separated us in the things of the, of the world. Nothing we could do. We, we, we would never know that path. We would never make those choices. He says we were dead in sin, trespasses, without hope, without God, alienated, going to a devil's hell and a sinner's grave. He said that's where we were. That's where all of us were. And in due season, Christ died for us, Amen. giving us the waters of separation. God, by grace, called us through the waters. And he said, he brought us unto himself a peculiar people, a holy nation, a royal priesthood, now offering spiritual sacrifice, the fruits of our lips giving thanks to his name. And this is a self-evident thing. This is a self-evident statement here. If there's any people on earth who really should sing from their heart with thankfulness and appreciation and with tears and with with just real conviction singing with real conviction it should be us let's stand to our feet it should be us we should we should sing we should worship god because it's a marvelous thing what god has done it's a great thing what god has done it's a great thing when you think about where you could be God has pulled you as a nation out of a nation and set you aside, training you through the adoption process and going through this. You're, you, actually have, you actually have identification as a, a predestinated son or a daughter of God. My goodness, here, here you're standing here. and Not anything you did, not any, not any uh, foresight that you had. You were not going through school and figuring out, you know what, if the nations don't correct themselves, this is going to happen and that's going to happen, and the economy is going to fail and nations are going to be broken. You didn't sit down and figure out all of that. All you did, all you did was respond to a voice, and the response was caused by something that God put in you to respond to that voice so that you could walk out of that darkness and into his marvelous light. Now, Paul is simply saying, act like it. In this world, act like it. Seek those things which are above. And pursue those things that are godly. And all of those things of this world are going to be left behind. That's all he's saying. And he's, he's giving us that instruction. So it's a good thing for us to learn about, uh, you know, the uh, closing the door to things of this world. And embracing the things of God. Pure thing. That's why he tells the Philippians, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are holy, Whatsoever things are just, think on these things. No matter which form it comes, we give thanks to his name. We give thanks to that. We, we are a people who, who watch. We're sobered by the things that are happening in this world. Kind of 
like, like I've often said, you don't, when you wake up, you don't really know what the headlines are going to be. Shocks us sometimes, but it doesn't really scare us because here a prophet years ago told us it was going to happen. Now you're riding that, that wave bound for another shore. If there's any people that ought to sing with thanksgiving and be ready to go out and tell other people about what you found or God has done. We're witnesses of the living God. Oh my. I will praise Him. I will praise Him. Praise the Lamb for sinners
God, God will make a way where there is no way. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. And He works in ways we cannot see. Yes, He will make a way for me. And He will be my guide. Hold me closely to His side With love and strength For each new day Go away for me God will make Sing it again now Thank you Lord My God will make a seems to be no way and he works in ways he cannot see he will make a way for me he will be my God our heads together. Lord, it's always good for us to be in your house. And Lord, as members of a, a nation, Lord, that to us is something very real. To the world, they may not ever see or understand what we are so passionate about when it comes to going home. But Lord, our hearts are filled with this idea, Lord, of our bodies being changed and walking off this earth, leaving everything behind, leaving every problem, every sickness, every heartache behind. Lord, you're a a way maker through this life. Lord, one day I believe that you're going to open up a gate, open up a door. People of God will go through, and they'll go through with rejoicing in their hearts. I thank you, Lord, for believers. I thank you, Lord, for a message that you've given us that's so clear. Even in our waning days in this life, Lord, things are so clear. Father, you are gracious to us. Heal those that are sick. Help those, Lord, who are in a time of recovery. Father, may you have your way in our lives. We give ourselves afresh to you. And we thank you for all you provide in Jesus' name. Thank you for eyesight. Thank you for a heart that that is open to the things of God. I thank you, Lord, for our young people, and I pray you would sustain them and strengthen them, Lord. Keep them pure from the things of this world. Lord, they may, le- may they learn that every one of us are born with a certain amount of aff- affection, Lord. And may they take that affection and turn it heavenward. And may they look at things, Lord, above and not so much at things below. Oh, we thank you, Lord Jesus. And we ask your blessing now upon the assembly today. Guide us in your will. Lord, protect us, I pray, from all harm. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Sing it as you go this morning. I will praise the Lord. I
tomorrow brings or what he has in store, I know that I will praise the Lord. Yes, I, I will praise the Jesus. 